Hi everybody and welcome to the End of Cells podcast. And as you can see, it's a bit empty at End of Cells headquarters <laughs> this evening. I mean, Phil, we can talk about why. Oh, you know, the Boise Bus and their live event at the Bullfrog. If three of our people went, Ross, William and Tony, it was a great night. But I'm joined by Phil McGillney, who's kindly stepped in the void and I'm excited to chat to him. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm absolutely fine. I'm the only Boise Bus member that stuck his head above the parapet today. I was even I was having a wee drink last night. I'm I'm quite sensible. I know when enough's enough, but uh, some of my uh, teammates uh, disappeared into the night to the early hours of the morning. I believe there might have been a wee pool game between Endless Celts, Ross Muir, and Russell Boyce that was getting played at God knows what time. Uh, I've seen pictures of that doing the rounds today, but yeah, it was a fun night, and I need to pass on my thanks to the members of the Endless Celts, Tony. Uh, William and Ross that all turned up. That was a really nice surprise. But Russell did ask me to pass on the message that Francis is still his favourite in the endless sales, guys. And anyone as well in the comments that did come because there was a few people last night that in the comments of both endless sales and the Boise bus. And yeah, my head was spinning at points. So I was trying to remember everybody's name, but it was it was weird people come going, Oh, I'm Gary Brown and stuff like that. I'm, I know you from the comments. Oh my god. I was excited to meet them as much as they went to meet me. So it was a phenomenal night. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I looked amazing. The pictures that were sent in the, the group chat was incredible. Like the, the group photos, especially all together, just getting on and having fun. I think uh, Ross said in the chat he won the pool, but I haven't heard from Russell yet, so oh, okay, we'll okay. have to wait and see. And in terms of <laughs> the chat, we have... <laughs> Craig White Legends in, Kenny McCardle, Ryan Kelly, Gary Greer, Patrick McLaughlin, Alistair Zach. Thanks for coming on the Hangover Cells. I think that's probably about right, to be fair, Alistair. Like, I mean, to be fair, Russell Boyce had his first live event in the Bullfrog and it all seemed to go well. Fantastic crowd turned up. So if you're in the comments, make yourself known. It'd be great to hear your thoughts as well. And Phil, I'm sure you'll like to, sit, right. like to hear from him too. But we'll crack on and, and go straight into Flag Day. I mean, that's what we're all here for, to talk about the Celts being back at Paradise and what a wonderful surface, finally, the Celtic Park have. It looked just like a carpet instead of all that grainy, sort of sandy look, but it was beautiful to see. First of all, though, what about that display from the Green Brigade? You, you won't get that much much places in Europe, like no, especially on open day of the season. It was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the atmosphere from right from the get-go was amazing. Before the game, William McGrandel sang a few songs. I mean, the rendition he did at Grace was thunderous with oh. the, the noise from the crowd singing along with it. It just set the tone. And yeah, that um that display was phenomenal. I mean, it's up there on a par with um, the, the famous one against Barcelona. And we've done it again, I believe, against uh, it was the, the, the we completed the Invincible Treble season, didn't we? We yeah. did one as well. It was a full stadium display, but oh, that, that was superb. The Because uh, I'm in the, the lower Jockstein stand at 139, and I was looking across to the Lisbon Lions stand, and they had the um, the trophy. It was like the trophy. Oh, that was beautiful. But it was, it was the banners that they had, or the, the ribbons that they had coming down from yeah. the top tier that made it look like the green and white ribbons. I was like, ah, oh, really clever, because it was unraveling, and I was like, I have a feeling it's going to be a trophy, and then when it all came together, I was like, oh, that's, that's superb, but when you're a player and you walk out in front of that, how can you not just be like so fired up and inspired? It must really imagine putting yourself in their shoes for a few minutes and just walking out there and being like, "Wow!" You know, guys like Joel Hart will be like, "I know I've made the right choice coming to this mm-hmm. club." You know, so it was it was amazing, absolutely amazing day, and I absolutely well, phenomenal sight. I think Joe Hart even alluded to himself in the Instagram post he put up saying that it was first flag day experience and it was special. I mean, mm-hmm. these players have played at top level. He was number one for England and he, yeah. got, he got him come up saying that. When he's been in grounds in England, he's probably experienced different atmospheres. And Celtic obviously rank, and deservedly so, 
the best atmosphere he's played in. I mean, mm-hmm. Ryan Taylor comes in here, best fans in the world, 100%. Mm-hmm. You can't really deny that. And then you get them, you get the other fans across the city putting up <laughs> tweets comparing their, um, it's like, come on, take a walk. <laughs> Time to let it go, do you know what I mean? Like, and when I first seen what the Green Brigade were doing, obviously they were raising funds for it. You're, you're kind of wondering an expectation what it's going to be. And mm-hmm. they always, no matter like, People obviously disagree with them sometimes and disagree mm-hmm. with what way they're saying or what way they get on. But see when they do them, them displays, they're, yep. they're unrivaled, especially for me in, in uh, UK football. And we're unrivaled. Obviously, you have the Polish fans who do like the 3D ones and stuff up their mm-hmm. class too. But in terms of what we're seeing yesterday, it was absolutely incredible. And another flag, flag raise, Phil, 10 and 11 seasons. All it's right. just becoming a normal thing, isn't it? Cal McGregor, first flag day as captain. What a guy. Mm-hmm. Although, if you ask a certain journalist here, apparently it's a pass the parcel. You know, that's not how it works, really. That well, would mean back well, and forth, back and forth, but not uh, 10 or 8 titles out of 11. It's absolute dominance. It's a ridiculous quote. But again, that was all just for clickbait, I think, and for selling a few newspapers. But yeah, Callum McGregor, I think he was the right choice as well to unfurl the flag. Because usually we'll wheel in um, maybe a famous Celtic fan, a former player, mm. some sort of emotional connection to the club. But no, I thought it was a good moment just to keep it simple. The club captain unfurls the flag, you know, the guy that led us to it, because it was a big, big deal for him to get the captain's armband last year. There was so much about, you know, Scott Brown, that's, that's big boots to fill. Can, can Callum McGregor get it? Has he got it in him to do it? And yeah, more than enough. So yeah, it was a really good moment for McGregor to get that chance. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. Even as well, like, I mean, Kenny's right here, absolutely brilliant day, still buzzing. I was like a kid on Christmas Eve, I couldn't wait for the match. Me and my granddad were buzzing watching it as well. And in terms of obviously, you look at Callum McGregor, even when he was getting <clears throat> the whole debate around who should be captain when Brown left, and there was people mentioning the likes of Julian. How far, how far back in the thoughts is he now? And oh, no. it was everyone. It seemed like for a wee while it was everyone but Callum McGregor, wasn't it? It seemed like everyone had a choice or a preference. But the guy just walked in. He's took it. Yes, he's not the captain where he's going to shout off or he's going to mouth at people. But you can see him. He, he leads from the front. It's the way he gets on on the pitch. He drags the team forward. And them, uh, when it shows you the footage of the huddle. I don't know if you've seen it. He's just he's right into the players like he's telling them, gets his message across, and I think it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then you move into the game and everything surrounding it and Pasta Coglu kind of reflecting again on what he's done in his first season straight away, Welsh in with a, a set piece goal. And I think I've seen um Hamish McCartan from sixty seven Hill Hill say that was her first direct goal from a set piece since Barcelona. Well, that was brought up last night, funny enough, and right away, instantly my spider sense was tingling, and I was like, no, wait a minute, and a few people did shout a couple, like one that comes to mind right away is Christopher Julian scoring against Lazio, um, I think it was a tongue ah, yes. one, because a few people below had uh, commented, and were like, no, that's no right, and then people posting a wee gif with like joke going over somebody's head, I keep just demonstrating it's been that bloody long since... Oh, well, it's been over my head. don't worry, but no, it, it, it's still weird, because we don't score them that often. We really don't. So it was a, a good feeling because I'm not a huge fan of short corners. Like I always feel if you're going to do a short corner, you know, it should be because you've got something that you've rehearsed, a real good set piece move. Yep. And a lot of the time we play a short corner and it usually amounts to absolutely nothing. So I'm kind of like, well, what was the point in that? It's the same way like the free kicks that we do sometimes where we stand, like three players will stand over the ball and have like a wee confab with each other with the whole cover in the mouth to not show the opposition what they're saying. And I'm like, okay, they're planning something here. And then they'll just either blaze it over the bar or hit the wall. And I'm like, what's the point in that? So when it comes to set pieces, I'm not a big fan of just fanning around. I just want them to just get it in the box. Yeah. And yeah, it was a really nice uh, nice feeling to see a corner just flighted in. Nice wee glance and header. And yeah, Stevie Welsh, you know, he's uh, been t- he's quite a controversial, divisive man in the starting 11 in the build-up to it. But 
my opinion's always been the same regarding him. He's not outstanding, but I don't think he's terrible. He's just very adequate, I think, for FPL level. Uh, he'll always do a job, and I think there's enough around him if he does make a mistake to protect him. But there was a few slack moments for him when you think, well, if that was a European game, if that was a PSG or a Real Madrid, oh, yeah. oh it's cotton. So he didn't have to get away with it. But yeah, good, good for the lad anyway. Um, good for his confidence as well. And we made a I'm, joke as well in the Boise Bus chat as he ran away celebrating. He was pointing, we're saying he's pointing at Mark Kearney, saying, That's for you slagging me off, Mark Kearney. <laughs> <laughs> the judge, the judge, like an executioner, Mark Kearney. And then Egyptian King. I mean, he's been watching the whole game here. He was watching coaching staff. Anyone notice we Gavin Strachan's new haircut? I think we all did, to be fair. He looked quite fresh. But you're speaking about, obviously, Stephen Wilson. I think Anthony Joseph confirmed today that the the, to- the lose. See, I, I was going to say that name wrong again. I would get absolutely done in by the guys in the podcast. But to lose, they've dropped their interest. And it seems like, from what Pastor Caldew said, he's going to be fighting for his place. It's going to be quite interesting, is it, between him, Jens, and Starfield? Where do you see it going in this early days? And I mean, obviously, Welsh is... He's got his goal. He's not done much wrong at the minute. Like I state a claim, and that's a good thing for the team, good thing for Angel. They're the headaches that you want the manager to have. I think fans can be guilty sometimes of overthinking it. At the end of the day, the manager will be happy that if all the players are performing, because a lot of fans will be like, how do you make keep this player happy? And what about this? And it's like, I think sometimes they're playing too much football manager or FIFA, and it's like, don't worry about stuff like that. Just leave it to the manager. Say the players themselves want to, they like that competition. It drives them on to be better. So yeah, Stephen Welsh has done nothing wrong. I do think once Starfelt is fit and up to fitness again, he probably will come back in. But at the time being, if Welsh is performing, and obviously if Jens turns out to be quite good, say we linked him last year, we brought him in with an option to buy, you've got to imagine he's going to get some game time and it won't just be the occasional League Cup game against like a lower league opposition. So I'd like yeah. to think that he's going to get a wee bit of rotating. But I do fully expect once Starfelt is back up to fit, fitness, he will be... And there we cut a big game because the record speaks for itself, Stephen. Look at last year. We didn't lose a league game when they were paired up. Um, so, but yeah, if, he, if he's got strong uh, options to rotate in and out when there's injuries and suspensions, then all the better. So you've got to consider as well, Carter Vickers might not be fit all season. There could be an injury yeah. to him somewhere along the line. So if Welsh and that are ready to go and performing, then good. Good for the club. Yeah, 100%. I think Ryan Taylor comes in with a good point. I'm all for Wells saying he's good enough and fighting for a place. Go, I mean, as a youngster, Kafula ranks at Celtic. We're all for that. We're all for homegrown talent. If he stays and proves his fitness and he proves his fourth, then he'll get in the team. Postacoglu's made that clear. And it kind of comes back to the whole like first match day squad. You're you're looking at the subs. You're quite intrigued to see who makes the bench. And there's no Julian. Mm. Funny enough, do you know what I mean? I've been banging that drum. He's on his way. To think that was the final nail in the coffin. He'll be away. I think so. I think now that we've got Jens in. Because when I was on a few weeks ago, we were still in that period where we didn't have another centre-back in. Julian had started like the first pre-season game. It was like that whole, right, if Starfield's no fit, who would you rather go with? And obviously that was only the start of the pre-season game. So you thought, well, if Julian plays a few games, I would go with Julian. But it, obviously the games that he played in that, there was a few up and down moments. And it, it looks quite clear now that, yeah, he's, he's heading out at the nearest possible convenience. And Good luck to the guy. Say, I've got no hard feelings against him. It's just no worked out under Ange. Just some players aren't cut out for certain systems and certain styles of play. Doesn't take away from the fact he is still a good centre back. But no, oh, um, right, but we Welsh, I say Welsh is obviously status claiming Ange clearly sees a lot in him. So I, it's a, and it's that whole thing, as you say, being a youngster coming through at Celtic, it's something we all dream of. So we can all relate mm-hmm. to it. You know, it's like you want to see a young lad do well that's came through the, the ranks. So 
I get on him, so a lot of strong options there. So it's quite nice to not have any defensive worries, especially in previous years when at this time of the year we'd be playing a Champions League qualifier in the middle of nowhere, probably in Europe, and Neil Beaton might need to step up if we had any defensive <laughs> injuries. So it's quite good to be clear of all of that this year. Calm, <laughs> we're okay. 100%. Egyptian King comes in, our bench is strong, which is brilliant to see. Mm-hmm. And then we all wrote, this is a great point again by Ryan, we all wrote uh, Ralston off, Welsh has the balls to fight, and good on him. Again, I totally agree. Yep. And the, the come, back, come back to the Julian thing, I mean, I was, I would say people fought, but people did think I was like getting at him and saying he wasn't a good player. I was just pointing out, you can see Arns has a system. Yep. If a player doesn't fit in that particular system, he won't be there. There's no doubt he's a quality defender. I mean, yep. Russ, uh, Russell Boyce, he, he'll always allude to the fact that he has a friend within uh, French journalism. Right. And he told him he was one of the best p- players in the, the league as, in terms of a defender. And he should make make the step up quite easy in the Scottish League. And mm. he did. But unfortunately, do you know what I mean? It, it changes. System changes. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to cut your losses and off you go. And mm-hmm. best of luck to him. That's, I mean, he's been a great yeah. servant to the club, albeit that injury kind of curtailed him. But final goals in the League Cup final against Lazio. Do you know what I mean? So he's, he's played a pivotal role at Celtic Football Club. And you look at the performance in the first half, and obviously I, want, I still want to talk about a few players, but just going to yep. the performance itself, there was a few opportunities in that game. Postacoglu, by all counts, was raging with the first mm-hmm. half performance in terms of wasteful opportunities. And Aberdeen came back into it slightly towards the end of the half. And now, this is the kind of meat of it, isn't it? This is, are we being negative here? Are we just pointing out realism, right? Because there was times when Aberdeen got the ball and it was mm-hmm. Carter Vickers and Welsh down there by themselves defending against free, mm-hmm. free uh, opposition players. You're not going to get away with that in Europe. Yeah, definitely. Is. Uh, there was one in particular, I remember, it was uh, Joe Hart and Stevie Welsh seemed to be going for the same ball and there was a wee bit of a, a mix-up there. Hart scooped up in the end, but you could see there was a bit of hesitancy there. Maybe it's because Welsh has been playing regular, just a bit of communication. Maybe Hart did they sort of command the situation better. Like I said, the goalkeeper needs to take charge in these situations. Yeah. Then there was another one as well, where I think it was it was Welsh again got caught out and Aberdeen were able to stick a ball across the face of the goal, but nobody got in the end of it. And it was like, again, you know, if that's a European game against a top-level opposition, which we're going to play, um, you're worried that we're going to get caught out there. But I say that's... But in terms of like the actual performance, one of the things that frustrated me, and I think Anne said that as well again about the wasteful stuff, there were so many moments again where you just feel like they're trying to pass the ball in the net. Yes. There was one yep. in particular about five minutes before half time. It was a whole series of playing. It seemed to open up for lots of people on the edge of the area, like different midfielders. And I remember it came to McGregor, and again, you're like, shoot. And he tried to pass a ball through, I think, Jotter or uh, Kyogo, and it got flagged offside in the end, even though we stuck it in the net and it was offside. But from where I'm sitting, again, looking right down the park, there's so many moments where you can see the gap opens up, and it's just like, oh, somebody just shoot. But it was always like, pass, pass, keep passing it, keep passing it, try and walk it into the net. And you're just like, there's going to come a day, right, where we're not going to have any luck in front of goal. And all this try to score the perfect goal and pass it in the net won't pay off. So it's like, You've got to just sometimes have a pop at goal. Luckily, somebody did, which we'll get on to soon. Finally, somebody did take that initiative. But, um, yeah, that was uh, there, there was a few frustrating moments. And with the way the first half panned out, you're like, we could easily be about 4-0 up here, 4-0, 5-0. It's only 1-0 at halftime. So you start to get that wee, that wee edgy feeling at halftime. Like, by the way, this, this better not come back to bite us in the backside. But luckily, we, we saw it out and got it in the end, man. <laughs> it was pretty heavy. It's a bit like remember the, the the Arsenal team back in like oh nine, uh the ten and Cesc Fabregas like Arshavin, they're always trying to score that the perfect individual goal. Wilshire yeah. was amongst that as well, and you're like, 
why not just cut all that out and shoot it sometimes? Because you never know. The flexion come back to the striker, wins a second ball, scores, blah, blah, blah. But it all comes back to it, Phil, doesn't it? I mean, the style of play, like he's he's always said he's never going to change it. He's never going to... He, he wants to obviously evolve it and make it yeah. better in terms of in a system and stuff. But mm. overall, the, the structure of it, he wants the, the players to be relentless and pass the ball at every opportunity. Mm. And But when you're watching it at 1-0, especially on flag day, like... You could hear the crowd towards the end of that half getting a wee bit anxious, a wee bit patchy, not getting on the players' backs, but they were noticing mistakes were being made. And and I, I mean, it concerns me because Aberdeen, yes, they've signed some good players. And some, I mean, that midfielder was decent, the, the holding midfielder, uh, Ramad- yes. Ramadi, Ramadani, or, yes. and then the, the, the big striker won a few flick-ons of things, and Hayes was quite impressive, even though he's like 45. He still has a bit of speed. But like, if you're going against... Like in Madrid, like at Barcelona, I know they're not in it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You're going to get punished. It, does it concern you a lot that that's that seems to be a trend? Even in pre-season, we were losing silly goals from being in winning positions. So there has to be a bit of, you know, a bit of improvement in that area. That's the same game out. There has to be because the thing is, some fans may look at it and go, "Well, you know, we're going to be playing against better teams. Will we make that many chances?" Now, Celtic's goal going into this Champions League. Is realistic they've got to try and make sure they have some sort of European football after Christmas because they finished bottom of the group. They're out, like out, out of Europe. There's no fallway for finishing fourth. So third place has to be a target. And the team that comes out of the third pot, there are teams in there like Bayer Leverkusen, who we played last year. Mm-hmm. And despite them beating us 4 0 at Celtic Park, we made a lot of chances that night. A lot. Good it was an ama- astounding 4 0. And amazingly, that was the night that Ange came away going, Yeah, I can see things are starting to click now. And you're like, just to beat 4 0. So, maybe we're playing like the team for the pot one, say we do get, I don't know, Man City or something, yeah, they might absolutely crush us and we don't even get a sniff. But when we're going up toe-to-toe with the third pot team, you know, we need to take these chances. We need to. Mm-hmm. And I said, we made plenty of chances against Bayer Leverkusen last year, who are deemed a third pot team. So, we could be playing a team at that level again. So, it's like, it's, sometimes you just got to have a pop a goal. But again, when it comes to some major systems, they don't want you to just waste a shot because it may go over the bar, then that team's got the ball back and stuff like that. Yeah. But I say it's, 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 I do expect Ange will be quite... It, people are being a bit too black and white about it, about how your player will always just be gung-ho. I think he will be a bit savvy in it, and it'll just be a case of the players might need to take a wee bit of initiative sometimes instead of going for that crazy pass across goal back to Joe Hart or something. Just a wee bit of common sense and look for a, the simple ball. But remember back when they did the um, the mic'd up session when Ange first joined? Ah, yeah. And he was saying to all the players, you know, even when you're not involved, you actually are still involved and he's encouraging to keep moving. So what you need on nights when we go into these European games is every player needs to keep moving about and give everybody options. If you can see a guy hasn't got a great option, you've got to put yourself in a position to get that ball off of him because we are going to pass ourselves into trouble in these European games, and I say if we're wasting chances as well, we're just going to come away from it. Say we draw a team like, I don't know who's in the third place, say like Napoli or something, they're in the third pot this year. We could come away and we could add maybe like eight or nine chances, but they've ended up beating us like 2-0 or something, and you're just like, deja vu all over again. So I would just need, just need to take those chances when they come up, man. You know, too much passing I think, about. I think, I think it comes back to the point where, it's, and actually it's quite interesting, you say they're obviously... He may be a bit more savvy in Europe. That's why the whole Aaron Moy signing kind of interests me, even though I don't agree with it. But Moy even alluded to it in his press conference. He played as a defensive two sometimes in his career. You could see maybe him and Kalmak playing a two holding and already in front just to create that kind of balance between midfield, attack and defence. So you never know what way he's going to line up. And uh, Paul Deckham's in here. 
if Wells and Taylor are starting in the Champions League, we're in trouble. Both great in the SPFL, but we need better against top opponents. Again, we're going to come on to Greg Taylor because I think it's yeah. interesting that Burnaby didn't come off the bench at all yesterday. Mm. And then Danny Boy with the left field comment there. I hope this isn't true. See the comment today saying Mason Greenwood to Celtic. Is it shit or what? I hope it is. I hope it is shit. I hope it I wouldn't is, want yeah. anywhere it was, near. It was getting discussed on another pod, shall we say. My pod that's maybe not too fond of the Boise bus, put it that way. And my dad told me about uh, it because he saw it and I went, wait, you've seen Mason, Mason somebody. And I went, don't tell me Mason Greenwood. He went, aye, the one that plays for Man U. And I went, it better oh, be no. him. And that turns out that's who they were talking about. And I was like, that's got to be nonsense. I mean, he, what happened to him last year with, you know, abusing his girlfriend and stuff like that? And I'm like, no, no, that that's a no-go. Celtic should be no nah. one That's Hopefully that's nonsense. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, right there. I mean, if they're discussing it and other pods and their ITK, they can all get the fuck as well. Because that's what, that should never happen to Celtic Football Club. And mm-hmm. um, Egyptian King and Cesare took no shit, even when he was interviewed after the game, said we were still sluggy and need to cut that out. Perfect point, what we're coming on Good. to now. Egyptian King, Phil... I mean, among the, the victory, and we'll talk about Jada here, he actually criticised Jada, but he said he was one of the main culprits in terms of uh, not taking the, the, the game by the scruff of the neck, wasting opportunities, wasting passes, and then he comes up with a, a 35-yard screamer. What type oh. of player is this guy? Incredible. Like, Mate, I sit and I say, oh, Jogs, he had the perfect, perfect eye line for that when he cuts across the box. And again, everyone's shouting, somebody shoot, shoot, you know, because again, we've had a frustrating day when nobody's taking that initiative. And yeah, he just lashed it. And as soon as it left his foot, as I say, I'm looking at it, it's basically, if, if there's no net there, it's coming straight at me where I'm sitting, like it's heading right towards me. And it was like, you could just see, that's going right in the top corner. My God, what an explosion in the crowd, like the noise when that hit the back of the net. It was a, a relief more than anything. Because again, you're just yep. like, there was a few performances last season where we'd go in half time with like a narrow lead in the second half, we'd kind of fall away and the other team would get some chances. So you don't want that creeping back in. So when that second goal went in, you just knew it was game set and match. But yeah, there was a few wasteful moments. As he, it wasn't just Jota, but it's interesting that Ange says that. I mean, I'm quite encouraged that he's coming away so and seeing stuff like that. Yeah. That's good. That's good instead of just going, oh yeah, it was a good performance and you move on to the next one. It's like you want to see them. Picking that on, that's, that's, that's really encouraging, you know, that he could see, no, this still isn't what I wanted to be. That's not my final vision. So, I it was, uh, it was good to see, man. Really good to see. But it's, it was also good. I mean, you look at Jada, and obviously, you probably give him a ball again at halftime. He didn't mm-hmm. huff. Jada didn't come out huffing or sulking or not giving us all. He wanted to prove a point to the manager, and mm-hmm. he scored that screamer. He celebrated, and the rest of the game, he stayed on the pitch, and the, obviously, yeah. the Japanese boys got took off. Things. So, obviously, he came on and proved himself again. So, when you get put down by the manager, it's all about your reaction, about how you mm. come back. So that comes back to the point where Postacoglu is signing a personality for the culture of Southie Football Club. Mm. He doesn't want the one who's going to take a hissy fit and hide and want to yeah. come off the pitch because he's got a relic into him. He's took it on board. He's, he's went out and made a difference, which is fantastic. And it was quite inter- <clears throat> interesting to see these Benfica loan update sites and Benfica youth sites keep putting mm. his uh, goals up that he scores for Celtic. And i seen one of the comments, obviously, Google translating it. Mm. And one of their supporters said, I always said he had more potential than Felix. Yao Felix, the guy who went to Madrid. That's quite a statement, wow. isn't it? That's that quite is... a statement. Yeah, Joe Felix, I was like 123 million like euros or something. So we're reporting euros nowadays here in Scotland. That's what it's all about. But some of significant price, fee. Yeah, significant fee. Yeah, because Joe Felix had only had like one season at Benfica and he's going to Athletic Madrid for an obscene amount of money. And you're like, whoa, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not on top of Spanish football these days since it left Sky TV a few years ago. So I don't really know what tops. I don't know exactly how good Felix has been doing out there, but I'd imagine he's a uh, he's probably 
you know, heading towards the right way, that potential that he's got. But that is still some serious praise, man, to be putting him in that category. Because I did read as well, similar to yourself, where when we did sign Jota for the price we did, there was a lot of Benfica fans weren't they too happy that they'd agreed really? such a low price, essentially. So... Man, that's uh it's about it's about time Celtic do it to other clubs, isn't it? We've had exactly. years of 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 uh clubs taking our top talent for peanuts. Like mm-hmm. like look at um Stuart Armstrong. I still class him as a player we've hardly replaced. Obviously yeah. you've Hatate and stuff coming in that, but Armstrong was quality, so dynamic. He goes for like ten million quid. You lose uh Wanyama, you get peanuts for him. Mm-hmm. You lose Van Dyke, do you know what I mean? You get peanuts yeah. for him. So it's about time that we we'll give a wee bit of a medicine to other big clubs and take their top talents for right. six and a half million. By the way, it's still a big fee for us. So <laughs> to pay that for Jada, and if he has as much uh, uh, potential as Felix, then I think that's a, a good one. I do I mean, uh, and then uh, Ra- Ryan Taylor. You don't see many players trying to skill like he does. Ronaldo, Neymar, only a few really turn on the side in their youth. Ronaldo was on real step overs. Obviously, I mean, it's quite clear to see that. Uh, Jada models his kind of game on Ronaldo the way he chops in, chops back and stuff. And yeah, it's good to see. Egyptian King, another great point. Did you notice already he was annoyed he had to come off yesterday? It shows these boys want to play as much as they can and then this style of play. Again, they're all enjoying their yep. football. And then Ryan Taylor, this is quite funny. Then one noticed Gigi grabbing Jada's hair when he was celebrating. Yeah, he just <laughs> went bang. It was funny. But speaking about obviously Greg Taylor, he's come up a wee bit in the comments here mm-hmm. in terms of we've been in trouble and stuff if he if he starts watching European football. He did, by all accounts, get man of the match yesterday, and the stats were quite impressive against Aberdeen. Mm. And the commentators were kind of giving him praise, left, right, and centre, saying his ball distribution was good. And it looks like he's worked on that quite a lot. He is good in the pass, and he's good at. Mm. It, do you know what I mean? I just it sounds a bit crap when I'm giving all this praise and I'm coming back with a counter argument saying yeah. I just don't think he's good enough for that step up. And that's why, for me, I was surprised Burnaby didn't get at least twenty five minutes. Was that surprising to you? Just to see what he's made of in the league. It was a bit because going into the game, I did think he would start Taylor, and I wasn't really based on anything in terms of like the ability of him and Burn the Bay. I just thought Angel just stick to playing it safe essentially for the first game, just stick with what he knows. But yeah, I did think that Burn the Bay would have got a wee bit of a run out, but um, yeah, it's encouraging to see with Taylor because he's definitely he's coming a bit of a whipping boy over the last few years. So under Angel, he's definitely improved massively because that first couple of years. Oh. Yeah, he couldn't catch a break. I mean, the amount of times you would notice it as well when he would come forward to about the halfway line and then he would just kind of about turn and pass it back the way or pass it inside because he didn't have the, the sort of like the know-all to go the forward pace. and try and get a yeah. pace, yeah. Because um, his short passing game is actually pretty good like in terms of just like short range passing. His crossing could still do a bit of work, but the way Ange has them playing with being inverted fullbacks, where they're not really all about getting up and down the line, when he gets in the middle of the park, yeah, he had a quite a decent game yesterday. And his, as you say, his distribution was really good. It's like that sort of, they kind of become an auxiliary sort of defensive midfielder by coming in there, you know, just to like pick up the ball and pass it out wide or pass it forward to somebody. So, but yeah, I think Taylor, and the thing is with Bear the Bags, I've not got much to base on with Bear the Bags. We've only just seen a few friendly performances. Uh, naturally, the reaction is we spent nearly four million on a lad from Argentina who, by all accounts, seems to be on the cusp of becoming a, a regular international. So you'd think, well, mm-hmm. surely he must come in and be better right away than Greg Taylor. But it might just take a wee bit of adaption time for Bernabeu. And I think the two of them will get game time over the season. I think we'll see a very similar dynamic to what we get with Ralston and Juranovic, where I think uh, Ralston will improve for what he can learn from Juranovic. Taylor will improve from what he can learn from Bernabeu, and it will keep all of them sharp, because, again, it's all about competition, man. So mm-hmm. I it's, uh, I think we both at the moment are, are quite a safe hand, and 
yeah, I can understand the concern again with European stuff. Like, I think a lot of that's just deep rooted in a lot of fans' heads because we bought them from another SPL club. So it's like, oh no. I mean, Scott Brown got bought from another SPL club years ago and went on to become good. It did take a wee while to get there, but yeah, you, you just, just don't like it. it's, it's a, I think we'll have a clearer picture, Stephen. Once we see the Champions League, John, we know what's yeah. ahead. Then we'll have a clear picture because we'll still have a few days between that draw and the end of the window. Then we might know where we need to get and what for strengthening that. Maybe a few last minute deals, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes with the tail stuff. But overall, I was encouraged by his performance. I thought he did absolutely fine, and by all accounts, he was getting man of the match. Yeah, I kind of really disagree with that one. Yeah, I mean the whole Greg Taylor thing interests me because a lot of people on the podcast, like Ross and William, they're all big fans. They obviously they call him Gregory. That's Gregory. kind of cut, catched on on our uh, our podcast. But I look at it from the fact, and I think you're right. As we better naively from myself thinking we've signed up from Kilmarnock mm. he's coming to us yes he's improved but if you're coming up against a Neymar or whatever <laughs> I don't know I, I don't know I, I just can't see it Patrick McLaughlin here comes Emma Vaxi a left field one I try Burnaby on the left and Jad on the right once for a couple of goals in front again mm. I think Postacoglu is trying to play same players who can play multiple positions I mm. think that's a part of his game plan as well so people can be drafted in or moved up one or like that's where McGregor could be a 6 and 8 and a 10 and Hatate can play the six because we know he's played left back and stuff for his club in Japan. And speaking about Hatate, mm-hmm. should we have had a penalty kick, Phil? Because what's in the back again? Anthony Stewart, the, the centre back, their new captain, mm-hmm. Aberdeen's new captain, I should say, um, fell into one of his own players. Mm-hmm. Fe- his head burst into Hatate's feet. Referee, no penalty. Mm-hmm. Hitati was the, the walking wounded yesterday because uh, they were out to get him. They really were. The boy that you mentioned earlier on, the AFL mentioned uh, uh, Ramadani, was it? The yeah, Ramadani. Yeah. Ramadani, yeah. yes. Yeah, he uh, was a bit naughty with catching. Was did he like sort of like clip him in the back or something like that? Like as he ran by uh, the bottom him. of the spine, just bang. Do you know that's exactly the same thing that that Ramirez did to Joe Hart last year when we played them at Celtic Park? There was an incident in the first few minutes at a corner, and he sort of like done Joe Hart right in the lower back, and there was that moment of fear where Scott Bain came out to warm up, and everyone was like, yeah. "Oh God, no!" Um, but that, is this a tro- do they teach this in training at Aberdeen or something? But yeah. There was that, and then it was like, well, the referee then stopped, because originally played advantage and went, no, 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 and then just took him over and gave him a stern talking to. And then Hitati, obviously, with the penalty incident as well, which I do think was a penalty. I think it was. And then there was also, he went off injured anyway, where like, his mouth was all busted. I believe. So poor Hitati, they must have watched him in pre-season and went, oh, identified him as the danger man because he was running everything. But yeah, he was the walking wounded yesterday. Not much protection from uh, Nick Walsh in the middle there. Uh, but yeah, that that one with the the when he got done in the lower back, that one in particular really riled many fans in the stadium. Yeah, like you know, you've played advantage, you've realised there's no advantage. Sure, you need to bring it back now and book him. And I see he was down for ages getting treatment, but no, it was just a wee stern finger wag, you know, we talking to. I don't know, let him away with that one. It's like, oh, come on. So anyway, we we're only one game into the season, Stephen, and already they're at it. These referees at it. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I really personally don't believe that VAR is going to make much of a difference, especially if it's them clowns that are running the VAR, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I would rather appoint officials from different nationalities mm-hmm. who can come in, oversee a game, even if they have to watch it. I'm sure you could hook it up away where you could uh, fill a studio in Portugal or Spain mm-hmm. with a couple of referees and put the screens on of the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you could do it that way instead of having like some Nick Welsh or Willie Callum or whoever it may be with yeah. a crayon 
trying to predict and give free kicks and be like, that's a yellow card. It should be working like that because these referees for years, as you rightly pointed out, Wellers against us, and I have to be honest, sometimes you see shocking decisions against other clubs. Look back at that. Mm. Remember last year there was a fight, I think it was Tanadice. Uh, the player got sent off for protecting himself, or and the, the the fan ran on the pitch and he got sent. Do you remember that? It was it's... Bobby Madden sent off an Aberdeen player. He jumped over the advertising hoardings because momentum, and as he went to stop, he like nudged like the ball boy or something. Somebody like no, it was a fan. Like he bumped into a fan, but he didn't Aye. mean it. And then another fan got up and swung a punch for him. And obviously he didn't he didn't throw any punches back at the fan. But obviously he yeah. had a walk with him, and Bobby Madden then gave him a second booking and sent him off. I was like, what the so, hell? <laughs> I mean, Bobby Madden, by all counts, had a shocker down in England as well. The fans seemed to be on his back quite early on. And again, at those points, I mean, we had a, a, a top-level referee, Bobby Madden, in our top league. Now he's refereeing in League 2 in England. That just shows the standard. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And we're going to expect these guys to, to do VAR properly, do the, the lines and all that mm-hmm. stuff in real time. Absolutely no chance. It's going to be like a clown. It's going to be like a show. And then Paul Dye comes in here with a cracking point. Poor Hatate wore a gum shield to protect his teeth and still got busted off. You see, Celtic <laughs> fans, you all put the pressure on because he wore a blue gum shield. Oh, you can't wear blue Hatate. You better get rid of that gum shield. And look what's happened. Shame on you all. See, to be honest, see that whole blue arc. I, I, I don't care. If he wants to wear it, he can wear it. Do you know what I mean? No Doesn't mean he's that. a Rangers fan. Like, blue's no. just blue. Who gives a shit? Do you know what I mean? And then obviously, we see the we see the game out and we win two 0 and we're top of the league, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Top I think of the that's league, the final. Down on the Rangers, mate. Already. Top of the league, looking looking down already. So, I mean, that's that's the way it should be. But in terms of the, the game overall, obviously, before we move into some of the political boardroom stuff, how do you <laughs> feel? Oh, overall, can't really complain. Say at the most, yeah, we probably could have scored a few more goals, but in the end, it was a routine two 0 win. I see Ange seems to be giving off all the right messages that there's still room for improvement, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine with me. Yeah, there is. And, uh, you know, we just need to get a bit more ruthless in front of goal and just take the chances. Because, again, it's going to do us in good stead when it comes to European football when we're not going to get many chances. But the ones that do come up, we need to make sure we're sharp enough to take them. So it's good that Ange identified that. But, yeah, overall, phenomenal day. Great weather, great atmosphere. Just great to have Celtic back playing competitive football again because uh, we've needed it instead of dissecting all these friendlies and arguing over this the silver stripes on home kits and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, some real stuff to get our teeth into now. Come on. We had to talk about something, didn't we? The fill in them gaps. Oh, I, know. But, I know. Do you know the other thing that I'm quite raising about our next game's at Ross County and Dingwall, isn't it? Uh, isn't and obviously, place. that apparently isn't on TV. It's that not. is mental. I know. Mental. Yeah, they got rid of the streaming service where, because after the COVID season where you got the Pass to Paradise and stuff, and then when they brought fans back, there was still the option where some games might be on pay-per-view provided by the specific club. It seems like we had a lot of games like that, but Rangers didn't seem to have that. Everything Rangers had their away game was usually on Sky, but we had Aberdeen, Ross County... In fact, the infamous game up at Ross County last year with Tony Ralston scored the, the last minute. Oh, last minute, I say. Uh, 97th minute goal. Uh, that was on Ross County's pay-per-view. And somehow Stephen Cragen still got a gig on that one, even though he's never actually had a connection with Ross County. Oh. But yeah, apparently this year, that's completely abolished now. So I don't know how most people, me included, are going to, uh, going to see it. It's going to have to be some yeah. sort of uh, streaming means out there. I'll need to delve deep into the, the dark corners of the internet to find. I'm sure I'll I'll find something, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not ideal, not ideal at all. 
So yeah, it's, 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 it just sho- it just shows you that um higher the touch Neil Doncaster is with people like mm-hmm. normal working class people within Scottish football. He, he comes out today and the SFA obviously come out and say they're cracking down on illegal streams and pubs and stuff. And it's like the, these guys, these women, these children, working class just want to watch their club play, and you're making mm-hmm. them pay hundreds and hundreds of pounds for a TV deal that's absolutely abysmal for Scottish yeah. football. Well done, yeah. Lee Doncaster. And another point, how funny was it that stuck uh, Chris Boyd under the gantry? Just coming in when we comments now and again at uh, Celtic Park. Madness. <laughs> See, I've not even seen the TV coverage because I was... I, Are you I was post, But um, I didn't really even did that. But I, I just find it ridiculous that Sky always wheel him out in any way to do any Celtic games at all. He should be so far away from any Celtic coverage in any way. Because he's never getting anything productive or positive to say about our club ever. But Sky just keep on doing it. Again, it'll be controversy, creates headlines, and they'll be thinking along that way. Oh, he's controversial, you know? And it's like they'll just think any reaction is a good reaction. And it's like, no, no, not in his case. That is not a good reaction. Controversial and a shite pundit. I mean, that kind of sums him up. The ground that comes in saying the real test boys have been in Champions League, totally agree with that ground. You know, my thoughts on that as well. But we'll move on to some of the more kind of political boardroom things and I know some people are probably going to be ah, oh, not again but it has to be addressed mm. I mean we can't forget the the crimes I was going to say the issues of seasons gone past and being locked out of the stadiums with cages around it and all mm. that kind of stuff I mean we heard on Friday I think it was confirmed Phil that uh, Ian Bankier is mm. going to be stepping down as chairman Q Peter Oil getting his suit jacket ready his Celtic oh, club wow. tie back on is he a shoe in do you reckon for this? Well, this this is the weird bit, Stephen. A year ago, when he stepped down from the CEO position, this was rumoured even back then, and then the story kind of disappeared just at the end of the night, and nobody heard from it again. But now it's came back up, and suddenly there was a bell ringing in the back of my head. Like, I'm sure this headline's been doing the round somewhere before, so it doesn't surprise me at all. I just find it really interesting, first and foremost, that suddenly everything's going really well at Celtic, mm-hmm. and suddenly they're trying to sneak this one through because something similar happened with the Bernard Higgins one. Uh, we were on a decent run. It was a run-up to the League Cup final, I do believe. And, uh, yeah, the Bernard Higgins story had broke and then they changed their mind at the last minute. I don't know if it's going to get to that level again, if it will be a lot of like fan protests to stop it. But I've seen a few fans online are very much in the camp of, oh, it's all a load of nonsense. It's, it's just the, the media try to stir it up. Then there's other fans who are kind of like, worried about this you know you just you just feel like you've read this chapter before you know i'm long enough in the tooth now to be down this road with celtic where when everything's going so well just something bad something stupid will come along just to just the board again proving that they just just so much incompetence i mean right now peter lowell stepped down as ceo disappeared and michael nicholson who'd been there for years obviously took his mm-hmm. uh took that ceo place or the it was I see your place because Dominic Mackay was the Aye. fever dream. Dominic Mackay, who was only there for about ten weeks, and then he disappeared as well. Uh, did he even happen? Nobody even knows. Um, but yeah, and it's basically just the same board that was there before. But you get fans going out saying, "Oh, what a job this board's doing! What a job Michael Nicholson's doing!" And it's like it's the same. It's still the same guys. And if Peter Lowell's coming back in to oversee everything as the chairman, and given it's quite well known from stories we've heard over the years how he would. Uh, interfere in on-field matters as much as off-field matters. 
it does I think a lot of fans are right to be a bit fearful of this one. I don't think it's being negative or anything, trying to be controversial for the sake of it, to generate clicks for podcasts and articles. It's not that. I do think there is a genuine case to be a bit fearful if this does come to fruition. So, yeah, I'm very much concerned, Stephen. Egyptian King comes up with a funny one here, but it's, it's quite relatable. Lowell's like the psycho ex so you just can't get rid of until she gets your health insurance. But, I mean... <laughs> You look at this, we had a wee chat off her, obviously, before we come on, and I said it's a bit like he couldn't handle the heat in the kitchen when it was mm-hmm. all fire and brimstone. He's had a chat with, with Desmond and Durbin's been like, don't worry, in a year or so, I have it in good faith that Ian Bankier is going to be stepping down, so we'll get you back in when, when we're all going well, and Posta Coglu has Celtic back on top. But it's like, does this again go back to the, the root of the problem? It's like jobs for friends. Mm-hmm. That's, do you know what I mean? That's what it is. The, the old friend brigade, the prawn, sam- prawn sandwich eating brigade are yeah. back again. And it's the same faces, albeit in different positions. Now, mm. Michael Nicholson, by all accounts, to give him credit, let's mm. be fair, obviously, he mm. seemed to be having good handling on the transfer dealings. He's got yep. them through quickly. Postacolu's even given his, his obviously, yep. stamp of faith as well. Mark Lawwell, let's forget about the name connection for a second. Mm. He had his own kind of credentials at the City Group. Yep. He's come over to us with a great CV. Let's, let's see how he does. But mm. Peter Lawwell, for me, it's like... Once you step away, and once you have the problems that he did with them, statements mm. that he'd done on the YouTube channel, looking like he was getting held at gunpoint, rolling out Scott Brown to tell everyone that it's mm. all okay, and Scott Brown didn't even look like he wanted to be there at that point as well, in terms of what he was reading, looked like it was off a script. Yeah, It's it's a deep-seated issue that doesn't seem to be getting sorted out anytime soon. No, I agree. I mean, I remember the, the interview you were talking about, that's the Dubai debacle, wasn't it? Where yes. after weeks yes. of silence from the club, somebody finally manned up and said, okay, I'll go in front of the camera and speak to them. And yeah, that was just awful from Walwell. It was just like, he didn't even answer anything, really. You know, it just it just made it worse, this whole situation, because yeah, that, that was one of the many shambles. But he will forever be, you know, tarred in that whole, like, the, the 10-in-a-row failure. He will always be associated with that, because I think he was always planning on stepping down as CEO, but I think his grand plan was to go out as a, a hero, you know, the CEO that oversaw the 10 in a row and stuff like that. So obviously it backfired, but yeah, you're right. He probably, with everything being as uh, intense as it was a year ago after that debacle, and there was a bit of uncertainty when Ange came in and with the players we were about to lose, nobody really knew what was coming ahead. Luckily, it's all fell into place. And yeah, it's, it's just so convenient. You know, he's got out of the kitchen, got out of the heat, and now... Here he comes back in, looks like it, to take all the glory. But this time, he's coming in in a bigger position. The chairman this time oversees it all. The, the, the chairman of the board's mm-hmm. the top dog. So it's like, oh, the, it's, it's a lot of fans are, as I say, right to be concerned, man. Very, very right to be concerned. I mean, Frank Brennan has come mm-hmm. in. He's put up a few comments, and I want I want to talk about this here. He said, what the, as, as to be fearful about Lowell, mm-hmm. for fuck's sake, of course, he would be my first choice, Ailer, but it only goes to highlight the complete Procurity of suitable candidates for the position. Yep. I can't see to me that that doesn't make sense because I'm sure if Celtic tried to recruit a new chairman, I'm yep. sure there'd be plenty of candidates in that position okay. that will want to come to Celtic Football Club, whether it's from far afield like Italy or Spain or Australia, mm. Asia, uh, Korea, yep. and even England. Even that guy we had on, uh, David Webb, yep. he's a fantastic guy. He's overseeing a few operations at Tottenham mm. Southampton. There is guys out there. And I've seen a few comments saying if Lowell comes in, it's another step backwards in terms of where we should be as a club. Hmm. It does concern me. Now, again, this is totally from outside 
of what I can see. We're not privy to what goes on in the boardroom. Yeah. We don't have a seat. There's no fan representation in the boardroom, which I think is wrong as well. There needs to be that kind of voice. But obviously, the, the Celtic SLO does a good job when he yeah. can and stuff and informs supporters of what's going on. But in terms of us as a club, Posta Cogley is doing this himself. There, yeah. For me, there's no other kind of way to put that, if you know what I mean. Yep. The um, I think the biggest concern, when I first saw it, and knowing that Andrew you see, he's doing it all himself, right? And as we know about in the past, there's been stories that came out about Lawwell interfering too much. And my first fear, my first, and I think many fans have thought the same, was this is a guy who was imagined the Australian national team and walked out on them before the World Cup because the people above him couldn't get on with him and couldn't see his vision. I just worry that if Peter Lawwell's back on the scene and starts any of his funny business interfering, try to influence Ange, mm. who's up against it anyway, I see he's pretty much doing most of it all by himself. I really hope it doesn't come to that, and I really hope the worst case scenario doesn't happen. I really want to say it out loud because, again, I don't want to be accused of generating negativity, but he's probably know what I'm thinking. Um, and it's like, I just hope yeah. it doesn't come to that. I really, really don't. And in terms of the point about other candidates, I agree that when we look at it from a fan point of view, our club has a lot of appeal and stuff like that. But my concern is, and you go back to what I talked about a minute ago, the fever dream, uh, Dominic Mackay, where he came in for that 10 week yeah. spell. It did actually happen, folks. We didn't imagine it. Well, he was there. And obviously, he disappeared. And it's a case of what, what happened there? Was he either just so bad that they got rid of him, or was he just too forward thinking? That the rest of the board are like, we've got, to, we've got to force this guy out. So that makes me think that if they looked to an outside source as a new chairman, somebody, an outsider, well, I just worry with this board, would they welcome see him? You said, see you saying that. They're sorry to cut you off there, but I think you make a, a great point in terms of Dominic Mackay. It's funny, when he left, it didn't take long for the whispers to come out that Peter Lawwell had a big, big That's say right. in who was appointed. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously... As time goes on, even Posta Coglu name dropped them a few times as well. So is it a case of maybe, again, to come back to, to be a bit counterintuitive here in terms of what other people could be saying? I mean, Michael McDonald came in. Mm. I've got the wee comment here. and said most teams in the EPL would be lucky to have him in a heartbeat. We'll be lucky to get him. I think it's a wee bit of sarcasm there, Michael, to be honest. But <laughs> I do get what you're saying. I know like he has confirmed that he's rejected the legs of Arsenal going down there, obviously. He's paid big bucks to Celtic. Like he's probably one of our highest paid members yeah. of staff, and that's probably outweighing the manager too. Yes, the, the whole thing with Lawwell is, for me, what he's associated with. Yeah. For that downfall, for that absolute collapse of the 10-in-a-row season. Yeah. Yes, he done well up to that. He kept her finances in control. Yeah, We mm. can't deny that. We're, 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 always, we're always making profit. We're making steps in Europe in terms of a brand recognition point, maybe not so much as a club in the football end. But when you're associated with being sort of a touch with supporters in, in that COVID season, when you couldn't get into the, mm. the stadiums, there was no sympathy, <clears throat> locking the fans literally with metal fences so they couldn't protest or get close to the club, not giving any communication, kind of like, closing himself off to the word to the extent, just locking that door behind them mm. and letting the chaos unfold. I don't think he should be given any right to come back to Southie Football Club now, after what he'd done, yes, you can appreciate obviously the years mm. of success and leading up to that and stuff. We're not, I'm not trying to be like naive in this. I know mm. he played a big part, and people don't like to hear that, but he did. The yeah. profit sheet obviously, players yeah. come and go, and managers and decisions, stuff like that. But for me, it's time to move on from that. And the more yeah. we keep going back to them options, like we spoke about it as well, it seems like him, Lenny, and Desmond have this like we WhatsApp group and they message each other every so often and they like, Do you want a job? I mean, that's what it's like. It should not be like that at Celtic Football Club, Phil. 
No, you're totally right. And the thing is, as well, I've seen points already come up on Twitter. A lot of people saying, you know, let's not forget the amount of success we had under Lawwell when you see CEO. And yeah, there is a case for that at the end of the day. But there's also things like a lack of investment has led to many like the managerial departures. You look at some of the along the track record. Uh, the board is showing, there you go, what I'm playing tells you, pretty much, aye, that's pretty much what they're doing, Egyptian King, but the, you look back to even when Walwell took over the CEO back in, what was it, 2003, 2004, around about there, yeah. so we were just off the back of the UEFA Cup final, and it's like we were told that, like Larson told us at that time, after that final, that this coming season will be his last season, and even like the, we didn't even replace, I know we can't replace Henry Larson just like that, you know, but we had a whole yeah. year to prepare and we ended up with Henri Kamara on loan at the end of the, the, the start of the next season to basically replace Henry Larson. And then you look at when Strachan then came in after that and his whole remit was just to get the wage bill down. Uh, the investment was there. Neil Lennon's first tenure, like, was all going fine, but he left at the end of the 2014 season because he just got told that the, the investment wouldn't be there. We brought in Ronnie, who in the second season we were going signing players like Carlton Cole, Kazim Richards, oh. and stuff like that. So, and then of course the Brendan Rodgers debacle. Everyone knows about that. How that yeah. one went. We all so there's a track record there where yeah, it can go really well and stuff like that. But there will come a point, a sour point, where it will start. The investment won't be there. It might not match the manager's ambitions and stuff like that. And that is a huge concern, especially now that he would be the chairman, the overall boss, and it's like, oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, it, it does put a bit of fear into me, but I say there is some fans that already try to put the positive spin on it, and that's the thing. Again, as we've seen in the last few weeks with the, the pylons on social media and stuff, it's all about opinions at the end of the day. If somebody disagrees with your opinion, you don't need to call them a prick or anything, you know, it's just yeah. people's opinions, but, yeah, there's going to be... It's not like we're not recognising his success. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But he, he played he played a major part in all the downfalls and the managers you mentioned. Aye, like Roger, a gang to it definitely. Yeah. There is like there's good points, but there's a lot of bad points as well. So it's like, uh, yeah. Like <laughs> Brendan Rogers, by all accounts, wanted to sign your man Castagna, who mm -hmm. ended up getting the Leicester. That didn't go through. There was a player from Valencia, the a right back. Was it Ramirez? I but who was it? Piccini. His name is Piccini. Piccini. Mm -hmm. Aye, that didn't go through. And he started making comments about all the board and transfers and that the Terminado, Terminado contract thing came out. And then after that, it all kind of unraveled, you know what I mean? And then, what's this? Uh, Paul Dagham said, Lowell is the panto film and can't blame the CEO for managers for signings. But again, he's a part of the investment for them signings. He, he says where mm. investment goes in, in the club. And then Frank Brandon comes in. <laughs> You're getting yourself so worked up about nothing at this precise uh, moment in time. You'll have to be perfect. You, you'll have the perfect fall guy for when we get hammered in the Champions League and it'll all be low as fault. Again, Frank, I take that totally on board. There is different sides to it and we appreciate all the sides because it makes for a good debate. I think we can all agree on that, Phil. But we'll kind of move on, obviously, to a lighter-hearted segment of the show and just to yeah, kind of round it off. And a lot of people are wanting to know about the bullfrog oh, last God. night, Phil, and people wanted to know why is there no live footage or any footage on YouTube? <laughs> Well, I arrived at about quarter past eight before the show started, about half eight. So my understanding was they were going to try and film it. I don't think live would have been an option, let's be honest. It would have been quite tough to get it all, you know, in sync to go live. But if we'd recorded it and maybe uploaded it as a separate thing, but no, that just didn't happen either. But um, yeah, it was, it was quite bad. So basically what happened in the Bullfrog stays in the Bullfrog. Uh, it's essentially going that way, but it did happen. It wasn't like Dominic McKay, as I say. It just you know we all just imagined it. No, no, it was it was a good night overall. 
Uh, see, we just did like um, the old PMP post-match push beforehand, and there was a quiz in the middle, and then a Q&A at the end. So I, it was it was a good laugh. But it was, I say it was fun to just meet most of the the Boise Bus team. I hadn't even met in person at that point. There was a lot of even Russell I hadn't met him in person till last night. The only people I'd met in person so far were Mark Kearney, Dell, Regan, uh, Liam Cole, and I think that's all of it. And then yeah, but last night I got to meet pretty much most of the team. And then some of the boys from Endless Sales as well, and a lot of people who call, uh, comment on both shows. But that was it was good fun, and uh, I'm sure there'll be another one in due course as well. But I think we need, I think some of our team need to recover from last night. So see, I was I'm a sensible boy. I came home about you know midnight ish or something like. That. I was so nice and early by their standards, but they were out till God knows what time. So see, I know there was definitely a pool game going on between Ross and Russell. Uh, the challenge was laid down, I think, when we did the quiz between the Endless Celts and the Boise Bus. I'm sure there was some banter back and forth about that one, so they, they played the game last night. But uh, that it, it was good stuff. But I think there's some phone footage out there. I think a few people had the phones out. I can have been on stage at one point. And... Don't release the phone footage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think, I think as well, like, if you can, like, as a podcast, the Boise Bus... If you can get people in the room and talk about selling and have a laugh and have fun, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I think you made a great point. If we disagree with people's comments, there there is no need to take it on the Twitter or call people out and, as you said, use bad language towards them and things like that. And I do want to point out to the fact as well that we still have Undertaker below. We've got the Samaritans. We've got Breathing mm-hmm. Space. We've got the Scottish Mental Health Charity as well. So if you're in a position where you need to talk to someone, reach out and do that. Otherwise, if you want to, speak to one of us, Boise Boss, then the cells, anyone out there yep. that could be a listener here, there's always someone willing to talk. And just to, to, kind of, to kind of round up the show, Phil, the third kit was dropped today. It was. So it was. And it looked, for me, quite nice. I'm wearing the, the controversial one from last season. I think it's quite a nice one, that one you've got on. I yeah. think that one got a lot of jip. And the only thing that I didn't like about that one was the badge placement. I felt it was just too low down. I don't mind. I, I can't even room. see it on the screen, man. Yeah. I have to sit like this. Aye, something Ooh. about that would put me off it. But I think the actual design itself looks quite nice, quite fresh. But people I think hated it. I think it'll be on one of them retro football uh, shows mm. later in yeah. life when we're older. And I had that kit. No, only one of them ones. It's worth money. But yep. what do you think of the third kit? I quite like it. I mean, I'm all for like going a bit different on away kits because that's what they're for. You know, I don't see the point mm. in having. You know, a home kit and an away kit that are essentially the same colour, especially when there's another team in the league that wear green and white as well. And it's like, ah. So there's been a few times we've visited Easter Road and we've had to wear an away kit from the season before because of a colour clash. So I think it looks quite nice. Um, Because I saw the original, the preview a few weeks ago and it was a close up of the badge and it was like grey and it was like a neon yellow. So people like, What's this going to look like when it comes out? But no, I think it looks okay. So it's a bit different of a different color scheme and going with the neon yellow on it as well. At least it's still like that one from a couple of years ago the New Balance, the, the grey one with the big pink chevron across the front. Oh here. my God. Oh, the only kit I think Celtic have never actually worn in an actual game. That's the, apparently the only one that they've never ever worn. So that'll be, that'll become valuable because of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that will, that will, uh, definitely. But cause I didn't mind see the pink one they did in the Rogers first season, the one with the pink and black. I like that. Yeah. Uh, me being a wrestling fan as well, with Brett the Hitman Heart colours, so I was like, there you go, pink and black, that goes really well together. But I thought that looked okay. But that grey with the big pink chevron across it, I was like, oh, no, no, that's that's too much. Man. But see, it will now become a cult classic, you know, because uh, yeah. because it never got worn. Um, but as, apparently there's a wee detail on the sleeve where... 
It's the roof of the stadium. Somebody said something about that little design that's on the bottom of the sleeve on this oh. kit. Apparently, that see how the, the when you look at the roof of the stadium, you've got like the cantilevers and stuff like that, or the, the yes. metal girdles. Apparently, that's what that design is. And I was like, "Well, that's quite a nice wee detail." I've never even picked up on that. I could have stared at it for ages and went, "This looks familiar," but I can't remember finger on what it is. Apparently, it's the roof of the stadium, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's quite cool, man." So that's that's I, one I, wee detail. I think you're right. Like kids need to be different. You're, I mean, again. Go back to the whole kid argument, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, what, you know what I mean? Ifs and buts and things. It is nice to have a, a different kind of kit. And there is a few people saying the badge should always be the same colour and things like that, which, again, people can disagree about. And I've seen a great comment up, this, up the pod, uh, the comments. I'm not going away up, I do apologise, saying there should be some say for Celtic fans and future yeah. kits with Adidas and things. I think that would be a great shout. And I liked your, your wrestle analogy there because it was Ric Flair's last match last night, wasn't it? It was, so it was yeah. He, well, he Says his last match, don't be surprised if he still comes out again, does another one. <laughs> and by all accounts, he won, and so did Celtic. And on that note, Phil, have you enjoyed being on the Endless Cells podcast? Of course, mate. Yeah, I'm always happy to come and talk about Celtic anywhere. So, yeah, I'm, I see the Boise bus there, they're nursing some hangovers tonight. So, uh, I believe. Monday club will be a Tuesday club this week, um, which is understandable. I had a feeling that would be the yeah. case. Uh, but yeah, no, thanks for having me on, Stephen. I'm more than happy to come no and talk about the, the glorious Glasgow Celtic, mate. I appreciate you coming on, especially at short notice as well, mate. It's much appreciated. Nice, and also did the, the comments and Egyptian uh, King straight off the bat. Great show, lads. If you could hit that like button again and hit that subscribe button, we'd greatly appreciate it. And also to the members, obviously, Kenny McArdle, Kaiser, uh, Kevin 14, they're all in the comments as well. So, again, if you want to take advantage of the, the, the wee membership option, 99p a month, just get on it. Bit of crack, don't we? Get that wee emoji beside your name that John's created. But in the meantime, until Friday, when we look ahead to the Ross County game at Dingwall, which some of us may not be able to see, oh. stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>